All right, welcome Summit Church, Summit Nation, Summit family, friends, partners, praise God. We're glad you're here today. Praise God. You can't help but being, uh, but to be fired up after Carla shares, you know. You know, she's like that all the time. <laughs> she's like that at home. Don't, don't think it's just something she puts on for church. This is, this is who she is. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. She's a perfect compliment to me. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm reminded, I uh, was reminded this morning of my favorite Martin Luther King quote as we celebrate Martin Luther King's, uh, Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, where he says, it's very inspiring just to, and it falls in line with what Carla said about greatness. He said, if a, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, let him sweep streets like Michelangelo painted or like Beethoven uh, composed music or like Shakespeare did poetry. Let him sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And as believers, man, we, sh we should do our jobs in excellence, whatever you do. See, and look for God for promotion. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from above. Amen. Amen. Don't look to your employer. He's not your provider. God is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Amen. Amen. God is El Shaddai. He's the God who is more than enough. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And um, something else, I want to just give a shout out to uh, Steve Squires, who works uh, behind the scenes to uh, help with uh, online and, and just uh, minister to people who are chatting online and just managing the online ministry. And so uh, we thank God for all the people that work behind the scenes to make this happen. Praise God. Um, Steve Olford, as we mentioned last week, he um, tested positive, and so, but he's doing better. Thank you, Lord. And he's the one who, who runs our online church, and he's got a great team. And shout out to the team that's been holding it down since he's been gone, and we believe in God for his healing. Praise God. We believe in God. We just found out this morning about, or I found out this morning about uh, our drummer's the accident that he was in, but praise God, he's covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we believe that by Jesus' stripe, he was healed, and, and he'll be back, and he'll recover 100%. Okay. But back to Steve. Uh, uh, Steve's son, uh, Cameron Squires, was one of the writers in this new Disney um, project, WandaVision. And uh, just want to shout out to, um, I don't know if Cam is watching online, but congratulations, my friend. And I'm going to need you to interpret that for me. Uh, <laughs> amen. It's good, good to have, have somebody in-house that can kind of break it down to me. Amen. Praise God. Also, um, Carla mentioned the trip to Haiti is coming up really quick. And um, I'm hustling with God's help, working by with by God's grace, amen, and God's energy and God's empowerment, 
God working through me to prepare to, to leave. And so, um, and I'm ahead of schedule, and uh, it's, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. I'm going to teach 12 sessions in three days, so it's going to be a, really a, a profitable trip. And I appreciate your prayers. There's always stuff going on there, but God watches over us. We have a covenant with God. I've been teaching on covenant, amen, and I am into this covenant. Praise God, it's awesome. And I want to give a shout out to Sweetwater. They donated a guitar. Actually, um, the one that we requested was uh, not going to be ready by the time, it wasn't going to be in stock by the time I leave. So they suggested another guitar, which was twice as much, and they asked if that was okay. And uh, so they just, uh, I just appreciate Sweetwater, appreciate all that they do in the city of Fort Wayne. Um, they, they do a lot of things that people don't know about, and just like this. They don't do it with fanfare. They, both times that I've gone to Haiti, this is the second time they approved our request for a guitar just like that. And also, uh, they, we also requested a set of guitar strings, a guitar case, and a Sweetwater t-shirt. <laughs> and uh, they gave us everything we requested. So uh, shout out to Chuck Surak and Sweetwater uh, for being a blessing to the body of Christ. I, I can't overemphasize uh, how much it means to them to have a guitar because they can't jump on Amazon and order something or go to, go to Sweetwater and order and get something because, as I've been saying, it's a good chance that stuff gets stolen if you send it over there, even stuff like clothes and things. So how do they get instruments? It's very difficult. So when I can bring something over there and see my, my, by me bringing it, it over there, uh, uh, see, it's like you going. Because I, I take you with me, and your, your prayers, they cover us. Dave Benner, who's uh, gracious enough to travel with me, uh, he will be there. And so it's going to be a blessing. I'm ready to get into this word. Amen. One more thing. Foundation starts January 31st. Uh, Foundation is an awesome course. We've got great testimonies, and I'm hoping to uh, share some of those testimonies with you very soon about um, just what people have said about the first class. We had 37 students and uh, the first time, and so this time I believe we'll go over that in Jesus' name. So um, don't sleep on that. You can go ahead and enroll right now. Praise God. All right, y'all ready for the word? Yes. All right. Let's make some confessions. I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved by you. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my father has for me. Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, Focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, 
determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless, without blemish, blameless, and free from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. You are who God says you are. Amen. I want to talk about covenant love today. We're going to begin in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. Thank you, Lord. You know, our English language is, is, is limited compared to languages like the Greek. Like in English, when we say, I love my wife, or I love my husband, or I love hot dogs, I love french fries, I love my dog, all right? We use the same love. We, we use the same word for love for different things. But how many of you know, actually, you shouldn't love your spouse the same way you love your dog or the same way you love french fries. But we only have one word for love. In the Greek, there's different words for love. There's, there's um, a love that you use when you love your hot dog. There's another love that you use when you love your spouse. There's words like phileo, which is a, a friendship type of love, a, a brotherly love. That's where Philly, Philadelphia comes from, the Greek word uh, phileo, which is, uh, speaks of um, brotherly love, all right? I want to talk about another word, actually two words in contrast. Agape, which is, we'll talk about that in a, in a moment, but eros is another Greek word. Everybody say eros. eros. Okay. It's interesting that eros is not found in the New Testament. But Jesus came in into a world of eros. Okay. It was, eros was a word that was very prominent in the Greek culture. And I want to talk about that. Even though it wasn't in the, in the New Testament, it will give you a backdrop of the kind of world that Jesus came into. Um, <clears throat> first, let me read verse 8 through 10 in 1 John chapter 4. It says, <clears throat> excuse me, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Everybody say God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. That's who he is. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us <clears throat> that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. See, God demonstrated his love by sending Jesus into the world to die for us. In this is love, verse 10 not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. See, it's not about your love for God, but about his love for you. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, verse 8 says, God is love. And I want to talk about uh, eros. Now, the Greek culture has brought us some of the most beautiful art that the world has ever seen. And actually, the Greek culture of that time, of the time of Jesus, the time that Jesus walked the earth, gave us some beautiful art, sculptures, paintings that uh, we still marvel at today. Okay? Now, eros, by definition, is, is really it's the, it's the highest, the best, and the most beautiful. Eros love is the highest, the best, and the most beautiful. If, if someone was driven by Eros and they are a sculpturer and they, and they do a sculpture, if it was less than perfect, they'd smash it and break it. Because Eros love had to be perfect. It had to be the absolute best. Okay, if there's any flaw in something, in, in your hair or, or whatever, it can't tolerate that. I, I can't have that. If the painting is less than perfect, I can't have that. It had to be perfect. Okay? Now, it has a flip side. See, uh, Steve Jobs was of that flavor. I thought about him as I was studying this. Steve Jobs, uh, he, he had a mindset of excellence. Like when he came out with the iPhone, it was revolutionary at that time. Nobody was doing it. Smartphones weren't new. He didn't invent the smartphone, but he just took it to another level, made it better. And everything just had to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, I mean, they would keep... They worked on it for a long time. People worked around the clock. He demanded excellence for the, from people around him. People would sleep at the Apple campus and work on that iPhone. I mean, they were right up to the last minute really uh, um, working on it, trying to get that thing out. And they didn't even know when, when Jobs took the stage to announce the iPhone, the first iPhone, I mean... They didn't know if it was going to work. The, inter the engineers that worked on it were sitting in the front row. I think it was three of them. I'm, I'm, I may be wrong on the number. But they, were, they, they all had a little flask of alcohol. <laughs> and they were, they were involved with different parts of developing the iPhone. And so they would pass the flask of alcohol around and take a shot. If their part of the iPhone, the, the part that they were responsible for, if it worked, they would take a hit and pass it on to the next person. If their part worked, they would take a hit and pass it on because they weren't sure if it was ready. But Jobs, he pushed and pushed and pushed, and he demanded excellence, okay? Uh, I believe he was of that Eros flavor. But see, Eros has a flip side and that it rejects everything and anyone that falls beneath his standards. It's got a built-in flaw, and it's interesting that the Holy Spirit did not allow that word to be in the New Testament. 
but it's, it's controlling the way a lot of people live today. I want you to hear me today because I'm, I'm going to drop a bomb on you. It's actually going to be a, like a, my slider. It's going to slide in if you're, not, if you're not careful. You miss it. But I'm, I'm, I'm building up to something. See, eros is a love of excluding. See, because Steve Jobs, it was said of him, and I'm, I'm a Steve Jobs fan, and I'm not hating on him, and, and I'm thankful for what he's developed, but it had a cost. You know, there, there were people who's, who got divorces as a result of the iPhone, people that were working on the iPhone and were staying, staying there all night. They sacrificed their marriage for that iPhone. Okay? Um, when somebody would come up and give a, a, a presentation, the, the way the way the Jobs was, when when they had Apple these Apple events, and he had a presentation, and people would come up, they would have to practice that in front of him. When he, when he was alive, and they, they would practice it in front of him, and and he would chew them out if it wasn't less than the best. Now, some people it it, it could have been good enough, but not Jobs. It was said of Jobs that if, if you were on an elevator with him and you worked on a, at the Apple campus and you got stuck on the elevator with him, they said nothing good could come out of it. <laughs> if he asked you what you did at, at Apple, by the time you got to your floor, if you didn't have a good answer, by the time you got off the elevator, you fired. So... Eros love, man, you know, it's, it's the reason why you got a lot of divorces. Because it's built on, on Eros. See, because it only wants the most beautiful. It, it can't tolerate the ugly. It can't tolerate anything less than the best, anything that falls beneath its standards. So if you have a marriage that's governed by Eros, and, and, and they, they marry that person on the basis of their looks, and when they start gaining a little weight and uh, maybe not looking like they did when they first got married, I'm not going to go down this road too far, <laughs> and they find something better, they want to smash it like the sculpture. If they see something better, they'll move on to something that they like better because they demand that perfect body. And said, so then they want to trade in for a younger model. They want a 2021 wife. <laughs> Amen. They, they don't want that wife that got you through stuff. <laughs> that stuck with you when, when, when you had difficult times and challenging times. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but they want something new. Why? Because they're driven by eros. It rejects everything and every person that falls beneath its standards. See, with eros in the, in the Greek culture, if a person was driven by eros, if, if your skin wasn't flawless, if your hair wasn't flawless, if your sculpture or painting was not the most beautiful, I don't want it. That's eros. Rejection is built into it. If you want the absolute best, then of necessity, you have to reject the less than which falls beneath your standards. 
it draws circles. If you're the highest and the best, you can come into my circle. If not, you stay outside the circle. You're denied entrance if you're not good enough, if you're not worthy enough to come into my circle because you're not as exquisite as we are, all right? People ruled by eros are self-appointed, self, let me, let me back up, say that over, because I, I want to make sure y'all get it. People ruled by eros are self-appointed masters. They determine who's in and who's out. We don't allow the ugly, the flawed, the less than, those that don't measure up to our standards. No, you don't belong. It's almost, it's really the love of self. It praises itself on its high standards. Oh, I would never do that. I would never act like those people. We, we in this circle, we don't act like those folks. It's dangerous when the church is ruled by eros. <laughs> eros would say, I, I have, I have a, a certain taste in painting. I want this painting. I, I, I would never have that painting because it's, see, that it's, it's, it's flawed. It's like being a member of, a, of an exclusive club. Only a certain kind is let in. You know where you find eros? In our politics. I'm just going to let that sink in. I'm going to take a drink of water right now. <laughs> Unless you in our party, our particular party, we're wrong and every, or we're right, everybody else is wrong. And if they can't see it the way we see it, they're stupid. They're, they're, they're just dumb, and they start calling people names out, that are outside of their circle. So you see, we, we know what's up. Those folks out there outside of our, our, our party, they don't know what they're talking about. They're blind, actually. They're blind. They can't, even, they can't even see. Lord Jesus, help them to see the light. All right? Y'all turn me off online yet? Okay. Eros is not in the New Testament. But it's in politics. Sometimes church folk get caught up into it. See, and rage rises up in people. See, I, I back off when, when, when people want to get in a rage about politics and stuff, I back off. And it's okay to have opinions and things like that, but stop drawing circles and excluding people that don't think like you or believe like you. I know people, man, I know people, Democrats, I know people who are Republican, and they are very passionate about uh, what they think and how, how they think about politics, and that's, and that's cool, but what's wrong is when you start calling other people stupid if they don't believe like you believe people that Jesus died for. 
I'm a, <laughs> come on. Y'all are awful quiet right now in this Presbyterian church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, religion sees God as the ultimate eros. You know, religion... Religion is deep into eros. You're not worthy enough to come into God's presence. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. Right? Religion invented social distancing. God won't accept you the way that you act and the way that you live. You need to get yourself together before God will hear you, before God will accept you. See, it's, it's excluding people. It's, it, religion has this little circle. That's the whole thing about denominationalism. Now, I'm not saying denominations are wrong, but that spirit, the dom- denominationalism, if you're not Baptist, if you're not, draw a little Baptist circle, a little Methodist circle, you got to believe like we believe. Catholic circle. All right? I'm holy. Our group is holy. Y'all are not. One fascinating prayer is this prayer that this Pharisee prayed. When he and the publican were standing side by side and this is the kind of prayer he prayed. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like... Now, he starts by giving thanks. It's interesting. He said, I thank you that I'm not like other men. <laughs> See, that's, that's eros. That's self-righteousness. I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this, this tax collector. Who's standing next to him? See, that's that's self-righteousness. And thank God what Jesus did, Jesus came into this world of eros, and he drew a big old circle around those other stupid circles. He said, come on in. Y'all listening to me? He brought us all in. I hope y'all thinking. Amen. See, but that's, that's agape. Dr. King talked about agape. And, and, and see, it, it, it includes everybody. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the religious people couldn't handle it. See, the Pharisees were of that eros flavor. They had their little group. They got the Sadducees. They had their little group. And that were, those were the people that Jesus had the most problem with. Because Jesus, they didn't think Jesus should be hanging around with the people he hung around with because he, ex- he included everybody. He in- included tax collectors and sinners. They would murmur against him. Don't he know that don't want me talking to the sinners? Jesus said, look, those that are well don't need the physician, but those, uh, those who are sick. He said, I didn't, call, I didn't come to call the righteous 
but sinners to repentance. See, if you, if, you, if, if you admit that you're blind, he can help you. And see, the word talks about that. He said, like, if you're blind, you can, it says that in the Gospels, if you're blind, I could help you, but you think you see, therefore your sin remains. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody getting help? All right. All right. I'm talking about blood covenant. And why am I, why am I talking about agape versus eros? Because agape is the basis of the blood covenant. The reason why God made a covenant with man is because of his amazing, incredible love for us. Now, let me talk about some covenant practices. Now, I laid a, a, a foundation for this, so I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the prior two messages, listen to those because they provide a, a foundation for what we're getting into today. Covenant means to cut until blood flows. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Here are some covenant practices. I'm going to give you nine. There was the representative. If you're taking notes, we've got to fill in the blank on our app. There's a representative of the covenant. If two groups of people are cutting a covenant, each one will pick a representative. And see, when you understand that, then you'll understand the story of David and Goliath. David said, choose a man to come out and fight me. And, and that man, and, and then David represented Israel to come out and fight Goliath. Goliath represented Israel. Uh, David represented Israel. Goliath represented the Philistines. So they didn't all have to fight. They had a representative from each party to fight one another. That's covenant. See, that, that's covenant language. They understood that. So David's victory was Israel's victory. Yeah. Everybody could shout, when David won, when he defeated Goliath, it was a victory for all of Israel. That's covenant. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to get into all, all of these right now, at least. I might come back to them later. But not today, though. Man, there's so much in this, in this blood covenant, man. When you understand blood covenant, as I said, you'll understand that, that God can't fail. God will never leave you. He won't let you down. He, will, he, he cannot break his word. Not that he won't. He can't. Because God made a covenant with us. Number two, shedding of blood. Three, these are different things that would happen. Not all of them would happen in every covenant, but this is, these are things that you find in uh, blood covenant when people cut blood covenants. Shedding of blood. Three, exchange, exchange of gifts. Four, an exchange of names. Like in our covenant with God through Jesus, Jesus 
has given us his name. See, covenant gives context to you understanding the Bible, things like that. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, you know, the Father will give you, you see. This is, this is covenant language. This is covenant talk. All right? And most of the time when covenants are cut, it's, um, it's lopsided. It favors one party. And that is all about the covenant that we have with God. It is so lopsided, it's not even funny. We didn't have anything to offer. We were in sin, but God showed or demonstrated his love that while we were sinners, thank God that he's not controlled by eros. Because when we were ugly, Christ died for us. When we were in sin, separated from God, Jesus, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Okay, there's an exchange of names. Number five, blessings or promises. And you can see that there's the blessings and the curses in the old covenant that was involved in, the curses that were involved when you didn't keep God's law, and then there's the blessings when you obeyed God's law. Now, that was under the old covenant. Now, we're not under that covenant, so we've been redeemed, thank God, for the, uh, from the curse. That's covenant. Christ redeemed us from the curse. He became a curse for us. Amen. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. So we don't have the curses. We have the blessings. Amen? That's covenant. Uh, six, there was a seal. A seal of the covenant. We talked about um, when the Henry Stanley cut that covenant with the African chief and uh, they would rub their wrists together after they would cut and the blood would flow and they rub their, they, they put gunpowder to leave a permanent mark to remind them of the covenant that they kept. You know, when you see Jesus in heaven, he's going to have those marks in his hands. The nail print hands are still there in his side as a seal, a mark of the covenant. Boy, this is good stuff. Then there's a covenant meal. That's what we do when, when we have, have communion. And then uh, eight, there's an oath. And then number nine, a memorial. I want to talk about this oath. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Y'all getting something out of this? For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. <laughs> See, the reason why God makes a covenant with us is not the same reason why man makes a covenant. Man makes a covenant because he doesn't trust himself to carry it out. So he has the marks in his arm to remind him that he has a covenant oath that 
everybody could bear witness to. And there at times that they would call God to bear witness about what they're doing. They would plant a tree or have some rocks as a memorial and things like that to remind them, look, don't break this thing. Because to break the covenant in Africa, it had the penalty of death. So it was a serious thing. But God doesn't make a promise, he doesn't make a, an oath or a covenant with us because he thinks, because he needs to be reminded of it uh, lest he be tempted to break it. No, God doesn't need to do that. See, his word is enough. He doesn't, he doesn't really need to make an oath His word is enough. God is not a man that he should lie. So why did he do it? He came to our level and added an oath to his word. <laughs> See, his word is enough. He will fulfill his word because his, his word is enough. When God says it, he'll do it. He watches over his word to perform it. In order for God to bring to pass the things that he said, he doesn't need an oath, but we needed one. Because man understood covenant. Again, we looked at in the beginning, Galatians 3.15, if it's a man's covenant, no one annuls or adds to it. If it's just a man's covenant. But see, in the West, most, mostly we're blind to covenant, so we don't understand what that means. But see, God came down to our level and cut a covenant, added a covenant to his word to prove to us <laughs> that his heart is loving kindness. And I want to talk about loving kindness. Um, thank you, Jesus. See we, see, we got his word that he'll never fail. But then he gives us a covenant where, because he couldn't swear by any greater, he swore by himself. Man, I love this. He swore by himself. You see that? When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had, had no one greater to, by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Well, God is bad. I'm just going, I, there's nobody greater than me, so I'm just going to swear by himself or by myself. Saying, surely, everybody say surely. surely. Not maybe, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath, everybody say oath, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly the heirs of his promise, us. He made an oath to show us, the heirs of his promise, the unchangeable nature of his purpose. 
See, when you see a promise in God's word, it is impossible for God not to do it. His word is enough, but he added an oath to it. He guaranteed it with an oath. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the guarantee of a better covenant. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Now, this is talking about the, now, I don't have time to get into it. My goodness. Whew. This is talking about, about those two immutable things. It's, it was actually God and Jesus cutting the covenant. There was blood shed by the animals. The animals were laid, laid down when, when God came to cut the covenant with Abraham and made the promise to Abraham. Through his seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He, see, Jesus is the representative of the covenant because he can represent God and man because he came from God. He was 100% God, 100% man. So he's qualified to represent man because he's 100% man. He came here. He, he, he lived among us. He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what, what you're going through. He represents God because he was, he was God all the time. <laughs> Amen. He was in the beginning with God. And so when God cut this covenant and he had... Uh, Abraham to split these animals. Obviously, there's blood, right? And so what, what it is, and you, you can go back and look at it, but there was walking between the pieces, and I believe that that is God and Jesus. I believe that that's what it's talking about right here, that God and Jesus is walking through. They actually did a figure eight around those pieces of the animal. Figure eight represents infinity, that it never ends. And that was the covenant that God made with Abraham. So that two, by two unchangeable things, I believe that was God and Jesus cutting that covenant. Jesus representing, I believe that was God going through there and Jesus going through, through there, Jesus going through there representing Abraham. Actually, he put Abraham to sleep. He had to do it because Abraham was trying to get involved and doing something. This was all God. He's trying to shoot the birds away. God said, look, I don't need your help. Let me put this dude to sleep. (laughs) So we don't have anything to do it. We can't break the covenant because we didn't make the covenant. We can't do anything to stop the covenant from happening in our lives to stop the blessings of the covenant to come into our lives. We can't do anything to stop the blessings of the covenant because we didn't do anything to make the covenant in the first place. By two unchangeable things. Say unchangeable. God and Jesus, they're unchangeable in which it is impossible. That's what I've been telling y'all, saints. It's impossible for God to do anything other than what he said in his word. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the confident expectation of good, a hope 
that's set before us. Glory to God. Amen. I still got some time left. Awesome, because I still got some more stuff to share with you. Because I want to get into this, um, his loving kindness. What is loving kindness? First, let's go to Genesis chapter 32. He gave us an oath so that we can see that his heart is loving kindness, but we need to know what loving kindness is. Now, the word um, loving kindness is a word that's used in the Bible for the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed is a very difficult word to translate because there's not one word that really can sum up hesed. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you some various meanings for hesed. But it's translated in the King James, loving kindness. Genesis, we see it in Genesis 32.10. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love. The ESV translates said here as steadfast love. Everybody say steadfast love. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Loving kindness. Loving kindness. Let me read another scripture. We looked at one of these scriptures in the first lesson. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love. That's Hesed. I will not remove from him my Hesed, my steadfast love, or be false to my faithfulness. See, don't just read over this. This means something. God is faithful. See, that, that's, that's something that you can stand on. I want to camp out on this word faithfulness in a second, but verse 34 says, I will not, say I will not, Say, God says, God says I, will I will not violate my covenant, violate my covenant or, alter the word or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Did I tell y'all he can't break his word? Once for all, oh my goodness, I have sworn by my holiness I will not lie to David. Now, this was true concerning David, but it's also true concerning us. Notice, he won't violate his covenant. He will not remove from him, from you, his steadfast love or his faithfulness. See, you can, you can depend on his word. See, that? See, it's not faith in your faith. It's faith in his faithfulness. And you can rest in that. When you're going through something, what, what does this mean in my everyday life? You, you've got a financial difficulty. They're saying they're going to lay people off because of COVID. Well, you're resting because you know God is what? He's faithful. you got a covenant with God. Steadfast love. We depended on his love for us. He can't fail me. 
It's impossible for him to lie. My God shall supply all my need. That's covenant talk. God cannot break his word. Loving kindness, it means, if you're taking notes, we've got to fill in the blank here. Let me give this to you before I, I go off because I'm, I'm ready to do some preaching. Because this is, I, I, I want y'all to get a hold of this. God has got you. Your healing is, is settled already. 2,000 years ago, your healing was taken care of. That's covenant. It's impossible for God not to heal you. I'm just depending on his faithfulness. I may be going through a tough time or a difficult time right now. If that's you and you're going through uh, whatever your difficulty is, trust in his faithfulness. God will not break his word. Loving kindness, is a, it means uh, hased. Loving kindness, it means steadfast, immovable love. It means mercy. But that's not all it means. It, it just, just doesn't mean sometimes people think that hased just means mercy. It's more than that. It's a steadfast love. It's, it's, it's steadfast, immovable love. You can't move God off of it. It's mercy. It's grace. Watch this. It's God. It's God working out the expressions of covenant love. See, Hesed is God working out this love, demonstrating his love for you. See, as humans, we get caught up in the, the past. Oh, that's wonderful. God kept covenant with, you know, for Moses, and David and them, you know, Abraham. He, he, he kept covenant with us. And they, they talk about the past. And they look at, at the Bible just as, a, as a, some sort of history book and do Bible studies about what God did in the past. Have nice little Sunday school lessons about the past. Faithfulness not about, is not just about the past. It's not about the past at all. And humans also get caught up in the future. Well, I know God will do it. But that's not faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? You got your shouting clothes on? It's covenant commitment in this moment. It, it's not the God that was or the God that will be. It's the God that is. God is now. He is you right now in the middle of it. See, if we, if we awake to righteousness, you realize you're in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> the dance is in progress. God is faithful. I'm preaching myself happy here. Not the past or the future. Every moment. Faithfulness is not something that God has to do when a crisis occurs. Or it's not something that happens if you shout loud enough. 
And when you, when you understand his faithfulness, you shout. But you understand that God is. Faithfulness is now. It's happening now as you sit there. And, and listen, he can't leave you. Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said I will never this is covenant talk y'all can y'all see this now in the light of the covenant I will never leave you nor forsake you and that's why we can what boldly confidently say verse 6 the Lord is my helper I I'm not going to be afraid I don't care what they talk about in the economy. I will not fear. What can man do to me? <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Most of the time, as I said, covenants are lopsided. The stronger cuts a covenant with the weaker. That's, that's what happened. God began, when he cut that covenant, when he killed that animal and blood was shed for Adam, right after that, God began to describe what he's going to do in this covenant. And there's a running theme here. When God killed that animal to sacrifice for Adam, he didn't have nothing to do with it. When he tried to get involved, when he tried to cover his sin, what did he do? Make these uh, fig leaves. That was him doing, trying to do something to cover his sin, but that was inadequate. God killed an, an animal, provided that animal. It was all God. See, this covenant is all God. We looked at it, I will, I will, I will. Okay? Then right after God shed that animal blood for Adam and Eve. Look at verse uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. We'll close with this. This is God talking about what he would do in this, in this covenant with man. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. Boy, there's, there's a lot in this. But notice, how is man involved? What, what does man have to do with this? Nothing. This is what God will do. He said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, another translation said, your seed and her seed. Not seeds. As Galatians says, not seeds as of many, but as one. The seed is Jesus. This is the prophecy about Jesus. God immediately begins to talk about what he's going to do in this covenant, that he's going to send Jesus. He's going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, between your seed and her seed. And, and see, the Bible says, if you're Christ, how many, how many of you 
made Jesus the Lord of your life? How did that happen? By faith in Jesus, by believing in Jesus. We're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians says, and if you are, if you are Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And when it says he, the seed, Jesus, is going to jack you up. That's what he said. He's going to bruise your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. Where you, where your heel at? It's in your foot. We are the body of Christ. Satan's under our feet. That's what he's talking about. We're going to see, he said, you're going to bruise his heel. But that's not going to hurt us. He's under there. We stepping on him. We walking on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you because you know your covenant. Amen. You get something out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your covenant promises.